As I record this, it is April 5th, and uh, this is for the Trade Show Guide Monday Morning Coffee dated April 8th. I, I often, in fact, always record these ahead of time, sometimes the day before, sometimes three or four days before. Uh, today just happens to be the 5th, and uh, looking at my calendar, six years ago today, I was in Gibraltar with... Uh, well, I went to Gibraltar with uh, my wife. She was not my wife when I got there. She was when we left. So we got married in Gibraltar, inspired in part by the Ballad of John and Yoko, the Beatles song. It's a long story, but that's what we ended up doing. So I'm just doing this a little bit ahead of time, and, I, and I'm just thinking about it today. It's been been six years ago today. We, when we left, we promised ourselves we'd go back in 10 years. So just doing the math, uh, theoretically, uh, we are going to be back there in four more years. All right. So, um, so when I post this on Monday morning, the 8th, I will be in Las Vegas attending National Association of Broadcasters annual show, the NAB show, uh, looking into and hoping to talk to exhibitors about how the NAB show cares program is working for them. Since I did a, uh, podcast slash video blog with that uh, featuring BJ Enright of Trade Show Logic. That was back in January when she talked about the program. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Um, if I forget, just look it up. It's it's back in January. So, uh, yeah, I'd be curious to be at the show. I've, I'm an old broadcaster, as you probably have noted, if you follow my blog or my newsletter uh, at all. Um, I spent a lot of years behind the microphone, and I still like getting behind the microphone. I, I volunteer for a local show. Uh, I do a reggae show a couple uh hours every Monday night. So that's, yeah, that's my background, but I've been in this industry, in the exhibit industry, almost 20 years. It's coming up on 20 years. I guess it'll be another three or four years, but I'm at, I'm at 17 at least <laughs> anyway. So, and I enjoy it. It's, it's a great industry to be in. And uh, I, I decided since I have this broadcasting experience, it'd be fun to do this podcast, this blog, this video blog, which I've done for, uh, this is into the third year. Although years ago, I did another version of it, kind of, uh, when I worked for the other company that I worked for. I've got my own company now, Trade Show Guy Exhibit. Um, I'm telling you all this because uh, you may be a brand new listener, uh, a brand new viewer. And if that's the case, I appreciate you being here. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review, leave a star, leave a thumbs up, whatever whatever it is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how good it'll do. It probably won't do a whole lot of good. But you just you just never know. So anyway, this week I do have an interview with a gentleman. I think you'll enjoy this interview uh, quite a bit. If you're in the exhibit world, the trade show world, I got a chance to sit down and talk with Tom Beard, who is with Ecosystems Sustainable Displays. They make uh, a lot of great exhibits. I've worked with them for a number of projects over the last several years. And they use materials that are all recyclable, recycled, eco-sustainable, uh, and, and we'll talk in about uh, in, in about that. <laughs> we'll talk about those in depth uh, during this interview with Tom Beard, uh, Ecosystems Sustainable Displays. I hope you enjoy the conversation. And welcome to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. I'm Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy. I'd like to welcome Tom Beard, National Sales Manager of Ecosystems Sustainable Exhibits. Tom, it's so great to have you on the program. I really appreciate you taking some time. Thanks, Tim. It's really, it's really good to have an opportunity to talk with you. So tell me a little bit about Ecosystems Sustainable Exhibits, just kind of a brief uh, history and, and, and how you got involved with them. Well, Ecosystems was, uh, was um, formed in, in 2007 as a, uh, the only eco-friendly, sustainable, uh, portable modular system provider, and, as, and, and we, we still really hold that title to this day. 
Um, the, the concept was that back in, in the mid-2000s, they, they saw an opportunity to, um, to offer a product that was unique and different, but yet stay within uh, the trade show industry. And um, we, um, we carried that, uh, carried that, that same uh, work uh, through, through now, um, and uh, we're based in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And that's where we have our, our uh, design and administrative offices, and we uh, do our production in, in, uh, in uh, Portland, Oregon. Well, it brings a, a couple of thoughts to mind. One is obviously with sustainability, and there's probably some changes in that world, but I'm guessing that as a result of the people wanting to have that, a lot of companies wanting to have that, there's, there's been a lot of, you know, if you say you were early on, there's a lot of competition that has come around. So you probably had to face both of those uh, interesting situations. We have there's 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 a lot of uh, there's there's some competition out there for tr you know truly building a, a sustainable exhibit, but um, where we probably face as much competition is is people just trying to do it in house. You know the custom exhibit houses will 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 resource materials they they feel are uh, meet that the criteria of being eco friendly or sustainable. Um, and we'll use it in, in part of what they do and, and not use those type of materials in other builds, but, you know, we use it 100% of the time. Well, you know, I look at the, there's a lot of different terms that are thrown around, recyclable, sustainable, uh, reclaimed, repurposing. There's a lot of different ways to look at the materials that go into building exhibits. Uh, I, for instance, we did an exhibit here with a, a group here in town, a small 10 by 10. We used reclaimed barn wood for the facing of it. Um, so that was an interesting project, uh, but, the, but the entire thing was not you know, reclaim barn where they had to have a base for it, that sort of thing. But uh, the look was really great. So there's a lot of those terms floating around. What's the best way to talk about the concept of being eco-friendly to your point of view? Well, the, the, the way we, you know, talk about eco-friendly is that um, it, 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 it carries, uh, it can be defined on, on several different layers. Um, it's not only the materials, but it, it, it could be the inks and the adhesives you use. Um, and then long-term, what, what you're going to do with the, uh, with the existing booth um, at the end of its life, life cycle. Um, and what you do with the materials involved. So it's, it's kind of a cradle to grave type concept that we, uh, that, you know, that we, that we're in. You know, the other th thought I have is, uh, you know, a lot of companies have, you know, in, uh, company-wide sustainability initiatives that they will recycle all sorts of paper. They'll do everything they can. And I'm just curious in your experience, does that run into the trade show world a lot or is that kind of infrequent? I'm just curious if, when you talk to potential clients, your salespeople do or your distributors, how does that come up in conversation? What kind of things do you guys talk about? Well, what's interesting is in 2007, when we started uh, Ecosystems, the, there was a lot of enthusiasm for this type of product. Um, and even to the point where people were willing to pay more for it because the material cost was higher back then. Um, then something, a little thing called the Great Recession hit, and it, it put us um, in a position where people we're still wanting to be environmentally friendly, but they didn't have the appetite to spend more money because of budget concerns and marketing budgets were slashed. As we all know, if we've been in the industry long enough, you remember those times. And, and so we, we, um, we became very, very aware that we had to uh, resource materials, eco-friendly sustainable materials that would be um, uh, at, a, at a price point where it puts us on the same level as, as standard materials. 
Um, and so companies, um, you know, we've gotten to a point where we've had to almost reintroduce ourselves to companies as, as an option. Um, what's really interesting is in 2007, many companies didn't have a sustainability initiative, although they, they thought it was a cool thing to have a sustainable boot. Now we've transitioned to where companies will have a sustainability initiative, a corporate-wide sustainability initiative, but not, not push that down to their trade show marketing program. And so um, what we're trying to do now is tie the trade show marketing program into uh, the sustainability initiatives that, that companies have. And, and, and it's, so it's, it's, it's like a re-education process. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because I had a conversation uh, with a potential client yesterday and they brought up the sustainable uh, issue and they thought that was important to them, which uh, it was actually kind of rare on my part. Most people don't bring that up. If you bring that up from my angle, they, they oh yeah, that's important to us. But it doesn't seem to be something that's kind of they're leaning into. Uh, they'd love to do it if they can, but it's kind of like, mm, we'll get to it uh, around the corner. But uh, So that was an interesting thing. Um, so some of the misconceptions about the materials, I know you brought up this as uh, something that it was worth chatting about, uh, are the misconceptions about the materials used in building an eco-friendly or sustainability-based uh, exhibit. What kind of things come to mind when you look at that concept? Well, when I first started uh, with ecosystems a little over a year ago, um, I would introduce uh, the materials we use, and one of them, for example, is eco board. And when I would talk about eco board, I could just see people's, you know, either you know their, their minds wandering about what is eco board. And and initially, I'd ask a question, and people would say, "Well, it's, it's a, probably a foam board, or it's a, it's a, um, it's it's a, a corrugated waffle board, something that wasn't, uh, you know, really." Uh, good material that they'd want to use in an exhibit, but in reality, it's uh, EcoBoard is a polystyrene material that's on the same. It, it's it's our alternative to a Cintra. It's equally as strong. It's printable. It's a direct to print uh, substrate. Uh, it's 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 uh, very high quality, equal price to Cintra, but it it's a material that is completely biodegradable it'll it'll degrade in a landfill within nine months of being being thrown away um, and so that's what makes it a, a sustainable product but it's a it's a material we would we'll use for printed infills uh, as a alternative to Centra which is Centra is a PVC product and um, is it's not going to it's very very environmentally you know bad product um, carries high VOCs and, uh, and so it's, you know, that's a great example of it. Our Eco Glass is an alternative to standard Plex um, and it comes from 100% recycled uh, plastics. Um, we even, we use an Eco Board, which, I'm sorry, a Rico Board, which comes from a, uh, it's 100% recycled uh, materials and we use that for our, our laminate infills. Um, and these are all alternatives to standard materials that are, really harmful to the environment. And I'm guessing from your production standpoint, you've got to really kind of dig into where those materials are, where they're produced, how they're produced. And I'm guessing a lot goes on behind the scene that we'll never see for you guys to source that and have continuing uh, access to those types of materials. Is, is that an interesting part of the whole process, I'm, I'm guessing? Yeah, you know, we're, we're constantly on, on the lookout for new materials to use. And you know, like I said, back in 2007, we weren't using the same materials we're using now, and and for good reason. And so we're always constantly looking for something that's going to be better than what we're currently 
Um, and, and so it's the R&D is, is as important as, as uh, you know, anything we do right now. And I, I'm guessing one of the things, I mean, when I look back, uh, like you say, 10, 12 years ago, to what was out on as, as eco-friendly sustainability, the quality wasn't as good as what you could get normally. And I'm just curious if the perception of the quality has changed and how people view that now with what, what materials are. Uh, sometimes you can't tell the difference, but what, what's your perception of that? Well, definitely the quality is, is um, in, in a lot of cases, better than, you know, like, for instance, the, the um, eco board is, is a little bit more rigid than, uh, than, uh, uh, than Sintra. It allows you to do wider spans without, uh, you know, having to add additional structure in. Um, and uh, the print quality is, is great. The, you know, and so the, those are just good examples of uh, why we should be using this material. Um, to, to answer your question. Is price a, a factor anymore as much as it used to be, like we say back when, when the recession hit, as far as choosing between one or the other? No, yeah, price is now no longer a factor. Uh, in fact, there's some of the materials we can resource that are less expensive than uh, what a traditional a new, per, new material cost would be. So we really have positioned ourselves. So there's, there's, there is no more objections or shouldn't be any more objections to price, or quality. So it really just comes down to the design. And obviously, if you're, if you're talking to a potential client, um, from your perspective, uh, you're going to say, this is what we offer. But from a general, from my perspective, I have more sources than what, you know, I could go to a different uh, vendor. Yeah, I guess that conversation with the client is, is important to ask those questions. So what kind of, what kind of uh, how do you approach that with a client from your perspective? Well, what I do when I'm, I'm working with distributors, um, with, the, with our distributor network, I, I will sit with their salespeople, their account execs, account managers, and really um, emphasize that no matter what the, the materials we use, that's, that's not the focal point we want to be looking at at this, at this time, you know, because um, if we don't hit the mark on design and at the price point your client is, is, it wants to be at, it doesn't matter what the materials are. We, you know, we need to really focus on and pinpoint that, you know, we're going to hit the design at, at, you know, a really good, innovative, creative design. And then I ask my distributors to just, you know, be, you use, um, use sustainability as an additional benefit to ask the question, does your company have a sustainability initiative? And would it be a benefit to tie it into the trade show marketing program? Um, in a lot of cases, they, they, They'll dabble in, you know, a end user, your client will end, will, uh, will dabble in it. Maybe they'll put on a video loop uh, some information about their, their sustainability initiative, but they don't uh, take it to the next step, which is incorporating materials that would, would um, tie into sustainability. And one last question, I'm just a kind of thought, because I've seen this a couple of times, but it's kind of rare. Um, maybe this is part of the conversation you have with those distributors or the end, end users, is that uh, I've seen booths made out of something that is obviously uh, recyclable material, recycled and sustainable, and they've got a little sign there. This booth was built with blank, and it kind of shows off their creds in a, in a sense. Uh, is that something you guys ever talk about? Or you, ever, you, ever, you ever ask them about doing something like that? Well, I, I think that um, I, I've never seen it. We've never been asked to do that. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, our, our, our role is to make you look good, Tim. And right, right. Not, uh, you know, and not toot our own horn. We, um, 
you know, we don't want to be client facing. We, we want to be that, that uh, valuable supplier in the background because, um, you know, we, it, it happens rarely, but it does happen where an end user client will, will approach us because they, they know who we are, but we don't do business with them. And we do completely through our, our, you know, through our network of, of distributor partners. Um, so, um, we, we just, we'll stay in the background and, and, uh, deal with the people who know who we are and the value we bring. Sounds great, Tom. I appreciate you uh, spending time. And your website has a great search function for all those uh, eco-friendly, great designs. What's that website address? The website is ecosystemsdisplays.com. And we have a design search or display search um, option. And you can see the, the different kit options we, we offer, 10 by 10, 10 by 20, island, and then as, as well as other um, accessory items, counters, uh, uh, those type of things, uh, uh, charging stations, and, and a lot of other custom, custom work. Great, great place to find a lot of those eco-friendly uh, designs that uh, you may want to use. So thanks again, Tom, for uh, spending time here on the uh, program. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tim. All right, thanks again to Tom Beard, Ecosystems Sustainable Displays, for joining me on this week's Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Always good to have a great guest, and Tom certainly was that. This week's uh, Trade Show Tip of the Week comes from uh, my most recent book, Trade Show Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies, 66 Lists, Making the Most of Your Trade Show Marketing. It's available on Amazon. Uh, and basically what I did is I went through my blog for about seven or eight years of, of blog posts and grabbed a bunch of lists posts and edited, combined, condensed, expanded, whatever, and got a bunch of uh, lists. And so I'm going to share one with you. This is uh, 12 debriefing questions to ask yourself once the show's over and you're back at the office. Uh, and you talk to your uh, fellow exhibitors, your trade show booth staff, the folks that were there with you that helped put this whole thing on. So some, some good questions to ask. Of course, you know, you're back it's been a crazy show. You're exhausted and you got to get the expense sheets done. You got to pay bills. You got to do any leads or contacts, get them to the right folks, whatever. So here's some questions though. You need to find time to do this. Um, ask some questions while it's still fresh in your mind. Question number one, what did I learn about the booth? At the show, you will live in the booth for three days or four days or two days or whatever the case may be. And so you get to know it a little bit better. Uh, because these things only get set up during shows, then they get packed away and they're in a storage room or a warehouse for months at a time. You never see them again. And you kind of forget what shape they're in. It's always good to take a look, take a lot of pictures when you have the thing set up, maybe even take pictures as it's being set up. So what did you learn about the booth? Is there something that needs to be upgraded? Uh, do things still fit? Is it old? Is it working great? Uh, question number two, what did I learn about the people I worked with? Uh, were they good cohorts? Were they were they uh, in tune with what was going on? Were they well-trained? If they weren't, it's not necessarily their fault if they didn't perform well. But again, what did you learn about the people you worked with? Uh, number three, what was most important to the visitors? You've talked to a lot of visitors. What was on top of mind for them as they interacted with you at your booth regarding your product or service? What was top of mind? Uh, number four, let's go back to the booth. What did not work? about the booth. Booth ha booths have to function. 
exhibits have to have a specific function. Sometimes you have demos, you have samples, all these various things, meeting areas. They're pretty basic, but they've got to be appropriate and they've got to function properly. So what did not work? Uh, number five, what was not important to attendees? You might have put a lot of stock in doing something, doing X in the show at the booth, and the attendees just didn't care. So was there something that was not important to them? Number six and seven number uh, would be pretty, you know, the flip side of the coin. What failed and what succeeded? So talk about that. Number eight, what questions got the best responses from visitors? I would presume that as you went into the show, you had some, some questions that opened up a conversation and you probably tried a handful of them, I would hope. Uh, so what questions got the best response? Number nine, what was the visitor's most telling questions? I'm sure they asked questions. Did you jot them down? Did you make note of them in any way? And what were the ones that uh, were the most telling about your product or service? Number 10, how can I use what I learned for the next show? Because if you're in the trade show world, you're always planning for another show. So what did you learn that you can use to make your next show better? Number 11, how much time do I reasonably need to prepare for any significant changes. If you've got booth changes, uh, most of us do when we're, when we're uh, exhibiting and changes happen all the time, whether it's a new graphic, whether it's a new uh, counter or uh, some sort of display, banner stand, whatever it is, how much time do you need to reasonably prepare for those? And number 12, do small changes work or should you look at incorporating large scale changes? Is it time and do you have the budget for a brand new booth, for instance, or do you need to uh, double the size of what you're currently doing, 10 by 10 to 10 by 20, or 10 by 20 to 10 by 40, you're just adding a uh, 50% size. So do small changes work, or is it time for something uh, much more large? And that's uh, my look at uh, the 12 post-show follow-up questions and activities. This week's one good thing, I, I, I got a CD, I, I heard about this guy probably a few months ago, there was an article I believe in the New York Times, sax player by the name of Kamasi Washington. Uh, crazy, crazy music. It's 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 jazz. It's fusion. It's a lot of different stuff, and it's a double CD. Wait a minute, it might be more. Uh, it's a double CD. Earth is one side, heaven is the other CD. So there's a CD on Earth. There's a CD on heaven. Uh, eight songs each. And then as I was tearing the the plastic off, I noticed there's a tiny little sticker there that said how to open the album. And I, wait a minute, wait a minute, what do you mean how to open the album? Go to the website. So you have a CD, number one, Heaven. Uh, you have another CD, number two, Earth, okay, right there. And you got little inserts with that. But then there's this little third section there that's, that's um, gosh, how do you put it? It's, it's, it's attached all the way across, except it's uh, kind of perforated. And so it says you need to open that up. And I opened it up and there was a third CD in there. You don't know about that until you stumble on it or you go to their website. A third CD is called The Choice. And it's got some interesting uh, cover tunes in there, like a, an old Carol King song, for instance. Uh, so three CDs. It's really cool. It's, it's crazy jazz. It's, I love it. It's uh, Kamasi Washington and it's called Heaven and Earth and The Choice. That's it for this uh, week's trade show guy. Monday Morning Coffee, so glad you can hang out. And again, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Why not? What do you got to lose?